Good morning. Um, my name is Caitlin. I'm part of the staff team um, at KV and I do a little bit of everything and work across a lot of different areas in the church, both administratively and pastorally. And one of the things I get to do is um, be part of the preaching team and both be part of the discerning and the shaping of our series, um, as well as the delivery of them. And it really is a privilege to get to stand and share God's words and what I think he is saying to us through them today. Um, over the past few weeks, we've finally got to the start of Jesus's actual ministry. Um, first in the synagogue in Nazareth, where he gets up and shares what he's about from Isaiah's prophecy. And then last week in Morag's talk, we heard about the first healings in Luke's gospel. We're early days in Jesus' ministry, and today we hear a story based by a lake that I forgot to ask someone how to say. Gennesaret? Is that about right? We'll go with it. It's um, the Sea of Galilee, though, so that's easier. <laughs> and, and it's a miracle story that marks the beginning um, of Jesus gathering his followers. Um, so we're just going to jump in and read Luke 5, 1 to 11, which I'm hoping will be on the screen in a minute. Yeah, great. I um, wasn't prepared enough to have someone come and read for me, so I'll read it. Um, one day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught, caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of the fish they had taken, and so were James and John, the son of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid, from now on you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. When I first set out to look at this passage, I was expecting that I'd end up standing here speaking about mission and evangelism, about fishing for people. But as I sat with the passage, asking God, what is it that you want to share with our church family through me this week? I was much more drawn to what this tells us about what God is like and what we should do about it. So that's what we're going to spend this morning looking at. What does this story tell us about what God is like? I have two main observations here. Our God is a God who speaks to us in personal ways, acknowledging who we are and how we're wired. 
And our God is a holy God who reveals our unholiness but doesn't leave us in it. First one, our God is a God who speaks to us in personal ways, acknowledging who we are and how we are wired. Let's dig into the story a little bit. In the story today, we see Simon recognize Jesus as Lord, as God for the first time. Jesus's divinity is clear to Simon in a way it wasn't before this moment. Jesus is down by the Sea of Galilee. People are gathering around him to hear him teach God's word. He's been gaining some traction. People have heard stories. They've seen him heal physical illness. He's shown his authority over demons. It really is no wonder that the crowds were forming around him. Jesus bought some boats left by fishermen who were washing their nets. They'd done their job for the night and were clearing up. And Jesus hops into the boat belonging to Simon, and they go out onto the water, and Jesus continues to teach from there. After he finished teaching, he asked Simon to go out deeper and let the nets down for a catch of some fish. Now, Simon is a fisherman, and Jesus was a carpenter. Fishing is very much Simon's lane. And so Simon says to Jesus, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. I read this as Simon being a little bit sassy. (laughs) What we have translated as master in our Bibles is kind of like a general term of respect. In my head, this is Simon saying, with all due respect, sir, we've been at this all night and we've got nothing. But I'll humor you, P.S., and I'll prove that I'm right. (laughs) And we all know that with all due respect really means I recognize that you have some authority over me, but you're wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Simon entertaining Jesus and recognizing the authority that Jesus does carry lets down the nets, and much to his surprise, suddenly they're filling up with fish so much so that they had to call over help. This wasn't just a few fish. They'd been out all night and caught nothing, and now there's boats full. Cut scene, they're out of the water, and Simon falls down at Jesus' knees and says, go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. Lord. That's quite a change from a minute ago when sassy Simon was referring to Jesus as master. We've gone from general term of respect to Lord following this miracle. Jesus has got Simon's attention, and Simon is seeing Jesus for who he really is for the first time. I'm sure that this miracle was astonishing to witness. And actually, if you want to see what it might have looked like, I'd really encourage you to go and watch The Chosen. Um, It's in season one, episode four. And The Chosen, if you haven't heard of it, is um, a TV series that is covering the gospel stories. And it's actually really great, and I really recommend it. I'm sure this miracle was astonishing. But what I find really interesting is that this is not the first miracle that Simon has witnessed. We only need to rewind a few verses to the passage that Morag spoke on last week to see that Simon has already seen miracles. Let's look at Luke 4, 38 to 39. Jesus left the synagogue and went to the home of Simon. 
Now Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever, and they asked Jesus to help her. So he bent over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. She got up at once and began to wait on them. They asked Jesus for help. Jesus rebuked the fever, and it left her. And she got up and went about her mother-in-lawly duties. His mother-in-law was sick and suffering. And then in an instant, she was completely well again, up and about, back to work, as if nothing was ever wrong. That's pretty amazing. And yet it's not this that brings Simon to his knees before Jesus. It's not this that reveals Jesus' divine nature. Instead, there's something about the miraculous catch of fish that gets Simon's attention and opens his eyes to see who Jesus really is. I wonder if it's because Simon knew so much about the water, about fishing, about what was possible and what wasn't. This miracle broke him. It showed him who Jesus was in a way that the physical healings didn't. Simon, being the expert fisherman that he was, would have understood that catching all those fish was just not possible without divine power. It showed Jesus as Lord to Simon in a way that was personal and acknowledged who he is and how he was wired. I really love that. I love what that tells me about what Jesus is like. He knows each of us personally, and he created us individually. And he speaks to us and reveals himself to us in ways um, that we can recognize and that recognize how we think and how we perceive the world. That's a God that amazes me. He does wildly big and miraculous things, but he also sees me and knows me and he knows how to reach me personally and show me who he is. That's a God that I want to have a relationship with and a God that I want to follow. I've been thinking back over the last almost eight years that I've been following Jesus and how he has spoken to me and revealed who he is to my heart. I'm a visual person. I am wired to love the beautiful, aesthetically pleasing things in life. I'm a photographer that loves being out in nature, especially in the autumn when the Scottish landscapes just come alive in my eyes. The moment when I'm standing looking out at a breathtaking landscape with my camera in hand is a moment where I could easily fall to my knees in absolute awe and wonder at God. Maybe you're the same, but maybe you're not. Maybe the idea of being out on a walk on a misty autumn day when the leaves are a little bit soggy sounds a bit miserable to you. <laughs> and instead you get so excited about, I don't know, like physics or something. <laughs> <laughs> We have some really passionate physicists in this church. <laughs> but physics will never make me marvel at Jesus in the way that looking at mountains does. And looking at mountains might never make you marvel at Jesus like you do when you think about whatever it is you do in physics. <laughs> I see the majesty of God and the beauty around me in the blossom trees of spring and in the crisp orange leaves of autumn, in a beautiful painting or a stunning photograph. God has made me to be a person who admires the beautiful things, and he continually shows himself to me through these things. How does he reveal himself to you? 
It doesn't need to be in some big fishing miracle like today's story. It doesn't need to be a hand appearing and writing a personal message to you on a wall. It can be small and simple and yet no less significant. It could be a song lyric in a worship set that just resonates with your heart and you know it's what God is saying to you in that moment. It could be sitting out looking at a beautiful sunset. It could be in the wonder of science or a beautiful piece of music. It, of course, can be big and grand, healings, prophetic words, but it can be simple and small and it reveals no less of who Jesus is. I really believe Jesus is constantly revealing himself to us in ways that use how we are wired and how he created us to be. And isn't that beautiful? Before we move on, I just want to acknowledge that there's maybe some here in the room who feel like it's been a really long time since you have seen Jesus for yourself. And that's okay. When we finish, I would love to invite you to come and receive prayer ministry. We would love to stand alongside you and invite God's presence to come and meet you again for his peace to fill you up and for you to know that he is there. So please do come for prayer. This miracle story shows us that the Jesus sorry, let's start that sentence again. This miracle story shows us that Jesus saw Simon as he was and spoke to him in a way that got his attention. He used the things that made Simon Simon, his experience, his knowledge, his gifts, his interests. And I think Jesus does the same for us. He created us and he knows us. So he speaks to us in personal ways that we recognize, that recognize how we were created and how we are wired. Okay, moving on. Our God is a holy God who reveals our unholiness but doesn't leave us in it. The miracle has happened. Simon has realized who Jesus is. He has realized that God is in his midst. And then, verse 8. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. Simon, in his recognition of who Jesus really is, Lord, God, holy, in turn, he recognizes something about his own state. There's something about being in God's holy, holy presence that reveals to us that we are unworthy to stand in it. So Simon tells Jesus to get away from him. Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. We see something very similar happen in Isaiah chapter 6. In a vision, Isaiah sees a heavenly being, the seraphim. And this is six, Isaiah 6, 5. It says, Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Isaiah, after seeing the holy presence of God, thought his life was over. He saw the holiness of God and was like, shoot, I'm going to die now. It was just impossible in his understanding for him to exist as a man of unclean lips, as someone not holy in the pure and holy presence of God. I think Isaiah and Simon were recognizing that what they were encountering was not bad, it was not evil, but it was just so terrifyingly good 
pure, and holy that they were suddenly so aware of their shortcomings. I think of it a bit like when I am sitting in my living room as the sun has set, and it's not until I get off the sofa to turn on the light that I realize the extent of the darkness I've been sitting in. It's only when we see the bright, shining light of God that we become so aware of the darkness in us and around us. When we meet the pure, holy presence of God, we see ourselves and the darkness we're in so much clearer. Our God is a holy God, and his holiness reveals our unholiness. A lot of us here will have heard um, quite a bit about what's been going on at um, Asbury University, a Christian university in Kentucky. In February, a prayer meeting turned into about two weeks of nonstop prayer and worship and thousands coming to encounter Jesus. I'm on the hesitant side of calling it revival, um, but I can't deny from reading reports from those I trust, including Debbie Wright, the Vineyards UK um, National Director, that God has been moving there. The reason I bring it up, though, is that um, without any apparent manipulation, without any explicit calls for people to come to the front and give their lives to Jesus for the first time or again, Hordes of people were coming to the front of the auditorium and getting on their knees, turning to God and getting right with him. (laughs) Something has been going on in that place that has been revealing God to these people in a way that shows his holiness to them, to the point that they can do nothing but fall to their knees and address the unholiness within them. Debbie said in an article she wrote after visiting that young people are being drawn to him and in response are consecrating themselves That means being made holy before the king. They are being renewed and transformed by Jesus, his spirit strengthening them them in their faith. It's serious, it's beautiful, and it's wonderful. They are consecrating themselves, coming before God and allowing him to make them holy. Isaiah responds with, I'm doomed. And Simon falls to his knees and says, get away from me. And these responses are not wrong. Falling to our knees and recognizing our sin is not wrong. But let's not lose sight of the fact that Jesus doesn't leave us there. He doesn't leave us there. In Isaiah, the seraphim pressed a burning coal to his mouth and said, see, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away from you and your sin atoned for. Isaiah was made pure. And in our passage today, Jesus responds to Simon saying, do not be afraid. He doesn't say to Simon, yes, yes, you are a sinful man. (laughs) He doesn't leave Simon like Simon requests. Instead, Jesus' response to Simon is one of compassion not one of condemnation. He doesn't deny Simon's sin, but he doesn't affirm it either. In the sudden hit of shame that Simon feels at his sinfulness, at his unholiness before Jesus, Jesus reassures him and he comforts him. Don't worry, Simon. Don't be afraid. I'm not leaving you here. Jesus extends grace and invites continued relationship rather than accepting Simon's pushing away or allowing Simon's spiral of shame to continue. This 
This is how we can expect Jesus to meet us too, with grace and with relationship. Our God is a holy God who reveals our unholiness, but does not leave us in it. When Jesus reveals himself to us, when we see him for who he is, it is normal for us to suddenly be aware of our sin, and that's no bad thing. In fact, it's probably a good thing, as long as we keep looking at him and we hear his invitation to come to him as we are, as he extends his hand and invites us to move out from that place. If we keep our eyes on Jesus when we encounter him and stay receptive to what he says, rather than turning inwards on ourselves, either to wallow in shame or to deny our dirt completely, then we can remain open to him, lovingly helping us. Jesus doesn't just stop there, though. He doesn't only offer comfort and reassuring, reassurance. He issues a new calling, a new vocation. Don't be afraid, he says. From now on, you will fish for people. This new vocation is a new life that comes from Jesus and is for Jesus. He offers reassurance and then says, hey, Simon, come with me. We're going to go day life together now. And he says the same to us. It might look different, but all of us are invited to take Jesus' hand and do life with him now. To start a new life, leaving the old behind. The offer is for all of us, whether we've taken him up on it before or not. I think Jesus is inviting us today again to reach back to his outstretched arms and to do life with him. Our God is a holy God who reveals our unholiness but doesn't leave us in it. So let me encourage us all to examine ourselves before the Lord, to be honest and real and say our sorries to God, but then to look back at his face and receive his bountiful grace and mercy and be in awe again at our loving Father who doesn't leave us in our sin. Great. So our God is a God who speaks to us in personal ways, acknowledging who we are and how we are wired. And our God is a holy God who reveals our unholiness but doesn't leave us in it. How do we respond to that? Simon and the others we read, they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything and followed him. They left everything and followed Jesus. That's no small commitment. And actually, they left everything and followed Jesus at the point of their most successful catch of their fishing career. That's the point they pack it all in. Not only did they give up a lifelong career of making money from selling fish, they left all those fish in the boat because they recognized that Jesus was worth even more than that. This was like the winning lottery ticket of catches. This is like asking God for your lottery ticket numbers to come up today, and then they do, but you don't cash in the ticket. They left everything and followed Jesus. In response to who Jesus is, they did not go back and just carry on as they were. Because how could they? When we begin to grasp just who Jesus is, that he is the Son of God, our Savior, the kind of God who knows us and speaks to us personally, the kind of God that while yes, reveals our unholiness in his holiness, doesn't leave us in it. 
That Jesus deserves a whole life kind of response. Meeting King Jesus, our loving Lord Jesus, requires a putting off of our old life, our old values, our old ways, putting these things to death and accepting the new life that he gives us. This following Jesus isn't just an add-on to our lives. We've met the creator God. It changes our whole lives. Our leaving everything might look quite different to Simon and his pals. Do we all need to leave our jobs like these fishermen did? Not necessarily, unless Jesus tells us to. I think it's much more about our commitment to giving Jesus our whole lives than I think it is about the specifics of this story. It's about being willing to leave anything and everything, to submit and surrender everything to him, and go with them to do whatever it is that he asks of us. Are we willing to submit our families, or our hopes for a family, our hopes for our relationships, our careers, our stuff, like, you know, like our computers, our phones, cars, houses? He doesn't ask it of all of us, but if he did ask, would we give it to him? I think that's quite a hard question. But he offers us new life, And that new life requires our whole selves, all of us, surrender to him, leaving behind our old life to walk in this new one with Jesus. The response to who he is, is not to just carry on as we were, but instead to learn from him, to listen to where he is inviting us to go, and to follow him wherever he leads us. It's no small response. At times it will be hard, at times it will mean sacrifice, but it will also be good, it will be joyous and life-giving, and so worth it, because it means relationship with Jesus. We are invited to relationship with the living God through Jesus. To know and spend time with the one who created us, the one who sees us where we are and doesn't leave us there the one who invites us into new life with him and into eternal life with him. The story we've read today is one of Jesus calling his first followers. It's not just a story of the past, though, because he's still calling us, whether for the first time or the hundredth time, he's calling us to himself. He's still speaking to us personally, and he's still in his holiness, revealing our unholiness, but continuing to lift us out of it, with grace, with compassion, and with arms outstretched, with desire for relationship with us, for us to follow him and join him in whatever he has for us. We're going to move into ministry time in just a minute, and anyone at all can come forward for prayer as soon as I stop talking, which will be really soon. If you come forward, members of our home groups will come um, alongside you and they'll ask you what it is that you would like prayer for. And you can tell them as much or as little as you would like. They'll ask if they can lay a hand on your shoulder and then they'll pray for you. That's all it is. But before I finish with a prayer, I just want to pick up on a few things that I've said that you may want to come forward for. Firstly, if you are here today and you do feel like it's been a while since you've seen Jesus for yourself, we really would love to pray for you. 
If you're here and you need to hear the comforting and compassionate response of Jesus saying, don't be afraid. I'm not leaving you where you are. We'd love to pray for you. And if you want to commit your life to following Jesus again or for the first time, um, if you want to start that new life with him, we'd also really love to pray for you. Um, so do come forward in a second. But why don't you stand with me and I will pray. Come, Holy Spirit. Jesus, we love you. And we thank you for who you are. Thank you that you know us. And I pray, Lord, now that you would um, just reveal yourself to us, that you would show us who you are. Thank you that you are so good, that you are wonderful and holy and pure. And we thank you again, Lord, that you don't leave us in our mess, in our anxieties and our darkness, that you, that you lift us up. Would you come? and show us again how to follow you. Come and have your way. Amen.